Grace Relations on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. And this week on the podcast, I have with us Mrs. Aurelia Smith. I'm so grateful for her and her work. Aurelia, first of all, I want to welcome you to the podcast, and I want to say a word or two about you. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are with us, and you're an engaged member at ACBC, and you serve your local church well. So thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you so much. It's a delight to be with you today. So I want to tell you a little bit about Miss Aurelia. She did her undergraduate degree at the Air Force Academy, and she completed an MABC at the Master's University. She's been an ACBC member since 2010. And if all that education was not difficult enough, she's now engaged in a pre-med degree program and has some aspirations to pursue medical school and that sort of thing. I I love hanging out with Aurelia, Um, just a a clear-headed, kind perspective on things. She's written a book I'm going to mention to you, Ministering to Military Women. And Aurelia, I'm so grateful that you're here. We're going to talk a little bit about a breakout session that you gave at our most recent annual conference back in October of 2021. And it's on this topic, Grace Relations, Counseling Using the Psalms of Lament, Prayers and Supplication for the Majority and Minority Culture Christians. And listen, we don't have to tap dance around the difficulties that we see with race relations and that sort of thing. And I appreciate so much that you're willing to to talk about these, you know, even difficult issues. But I want to just start by just saying, you know, what are some of the things that prompted you to to discuss this topic? Well, yes, thank you so much. And that was quite a mouthful for that title. So I'm glad you truncated it to just grace relations. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, it's sort of multi-pronged that covers both the past and the present. You know, in the past, I've had some personal experiences, you know, growing up. My father was in the military. I went to three different high schools, uh, just as an example, one in California, one overseas in Germany, and then moved in the middle of my senior year to Louisiana. And so even with that, in the middle of my senior year, just some brushes with some ethnic hatred, you know, right there in the middle of the Bible Belt. And so that's part of my story. But also there's been some hard realities in the church that I and my family members within the last two to three years to face. So that's part of what prompts me to talk about it. And then just a desire to facilitate safe spaces amongst the body of believers where real conversations about culture and ethnicity can be met with love, respect, and grace. Mm. That's something that really is prompting my heart. And I want to help believers and counselors to answer the question, how do you minister to the person in front of you who's hurting from an ethnic or cultural incident in your church family? So really go on a personal scale. No, I love that. And I I think it's helpful in a thousand directions because this is more common than we probably wish to admit. And and these things sometimes happen incidentally. Sometimes they they are intentional exclusions or or whatever the case might be. And just not living with each other in, in an understanding way. But you talk about this issue of grace relations. Put that in quotations, grace relations. What is this idea? What is grace relations counseling? And what have you seen that's made it made it important part of the counseling process? Absolutely. Well, first, I want to give credit where credit is due, because I did not coin that term race relations. It was actually coined by Dr. Charles Ware in the updated book he co-authored with Ken Ham, which is called One Race, One Blood. Mm -hmm. 
the biblical answer to racism. So GRACE is actually an acronym that stands for God's Reconciliation at Christ's Expense. And I prefer to use this phrase rather than race, since race is highly problematic, right? There's only one race, the human race. And so I really appreciate this term, grace relations. And although their book isn't about counseling, I'm applying it to the counseling context because it attempts to deal with the sins of the past and the alienation of the present in redemptive waves that are built on forgiveness, peace, unity, and love. And it reminds us all to put away unrighteous anger and the polarization that's prevalent today amongst God's people. So all of this is super important because we know from the scriptures seeing God's heart revealed all the way from Genesis, all the way to Revelation, mm-hmm. to the new heaven and the new earth, where he's got this desire for kingdom diversity and kingdom unity, as well as it's important because of Jesus's words, both in John 13 and 17. He made it clear that our love and unity as believers would enable the lost world to believe that Jesus was sent by God and that we would be shown to be his disciples. And then finally, there's been an a command expressed that we weep with those who weep in Romans 12. And we can't obey this command without work, effort, or awareness on one side. And on the other side, others can't weep with us if we're unwilling to be appropriately transparent and take the risk of sharing what we faced and are facing. So those are some of the reasons why they're important. That's great. And I love the way that you're describing the the answers are rooted not in more division based on skin color and that sort of thing, understanding from a biblical perspective, we are we are one race, and because of sin, we see that division happening, and, and we, we are a part of what needs to correct this issue in the church. Now, I, I want to sort of lead that into maybe another question. Why do you believe the church, especially biblical counselors, because we're sort of on the, on the ground level of dealing with people's problems, but, but the church specifically, why, are, why do you believe the church and, and biblical counselors are poised to offer true and redemptive solutions to cultural and ethnic tension among God's people and particularly giving answer to the world at large because this is not this is not only a church problem this is what we see reflected in the church because we see it as a problem in the world that we live in so give us some understanding about the church and biblical counselors why we are probably best suited to to address these issues well you know the church has a sufficient scriptures mm. number 1 The church has a sure hope and a clear understanding of what redemption is all about through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believers in the church are empowered by the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. to tackle recalcitrant Mm -hmm. problems in a way that's winsome, grace-filled, and loving to the glory of God, so much so that a hurting world stands up and takes notice. Mm -hmm. And then one of my favorite quotes by uh, John Perkins states, there's no institution on earth more equipped or more capable of bringing transformation to the cause of reconciliation than the church. And I wholeheartedly agree with him. However, I also believe biblical counselors are especially fit to be unifiers in this area because we've been trained to listen well. We've been trained on how to use wise questions. We've been trained about how to develop real relationships with the people we're walking alongside. We've been trained about how to be compassionate servants to hurting souls. When I went through the MABC program a couple of years ago, One of the ways they taught the biblical counseling process was through the eight eyes. Mm. (laughs) And those eight eyes are involvement, inspiration, inventory, instruction, inducement, implementation, and integration. That first part, involvement, is absolutely key in this discussion because it's based on the foundations of compassion, respect, and sincerity. It avoids presumptive suspicion, and it never minimizes the problems presented by our counseling 
And these are traits that are often sorely lacking in discussions about ethnic tension, both outside and inside the church today. God can use us as biblical counselors in an amazing way to bring hope, healing, unity, and light in the midst of a lot of pain. So this whole idea really makes me excited. Yeah, absolutely. And the gospel gives the proper context by which we were to understand these types of tensions, right? It is not seeing through colored stained lenses, seeing each other that way, but helping us to, to see each other through the lens of the gospel in the way that God sees one humanity. And uh, that's something that's so needed in the church, particularly today. And, and you think about the ways the church ought to be impacting the culture rather than us seeing the culture bleed into the church. Man, we have an opportunity here because of the powerful gospel that God has given us in his word. Man, and I'm, I'm grateful that you're, you're talking through this. Let me ask you a couple other questions that I think would help us again. I mentioned the Psalms of Lament, so I want to get to that here in a second. But what are some of the scenarios that biblical counselors might face and want to think about beforehand to respond in a wise and Christ-honoring way? And, and this is something that's important for biblical counselors. To We want to be culturally informed. We want to know what's going on. We don't adapt truth to the culture, right? I mean, we, we take truth and we speak truth into culture. But in order to speak it effectively, we have to know how, how the culture thinks. And so it's important that, that we, we do this well. So what are some of the things a biblical counselor might want to be prepared for in these contexts? Right. In order to answer that question, I actually went through, when I went through the seminar, the breakout session at the conference, and I gave them four different scenarios to help them think through what they might see. And at first it may sound like, wow, that's, that's got to be far-fetched. But I assure you, these are actually things that have happened recently. And so the first scenario that I used revolved around a newcomer of Hispanic descent visiting your church. And he was excited because he knew about your commitment to expository preaching and even the Hispanic ministry you had. However, he noticed that several people kept their distance from him during the meet and greet time. And he also overheard a congregate saying, I wonder if he's legal. And so what I did was I read this scenario, talked through and asked them, the people who were present, just to think through how they might respond. But also afterwards, we started to talk about what do you think this person might be feeling? Mm -hmm. What do you think they might be thinking so that they could start to identify with that person? Mm -hmm. So that's scenario one. Scenario two had to do with a young couple about to get married, both of whom are faithful followers of Christ. The young man is black and the young woman is white. Longtime friends in the church begin to voice their doubts and prejudices and believe them to be unequally yoked, which I'm, I'm using air quotes there mm -hmm. uh, around that. And so once again, posing the question of if someone comes to you with this type of hurt, how would you as a counselor respond? What do you think they're thinking and feeling? The third scenario revolved around a white man who grew up in an inner city environment, and he attempted to engage a minority brother in his church family and was accused of racism after he tried to ask a well-intentioned question. Hmm. So something that, that we see can be going on today as well. And then the last scenario was about how a minority member of your congregation comes to talk after experiencing several events in the church and the community at large, in which her and her family feel like the other or outsiders. Hmm. She explains that when she cautiously tried to share with her majority cultural friend, she was offended and warned her against being a social justice warrior and to not propagate CRT, mm. right? So some very present, real scenarios mm. that I put before you. No, I think that's helpful. And, and, and these are real discussions that are happening all around us in, in different cases, particularly where you are. I grew up in the South. 
these are certainly cases that, that happen and have happened. And, and we are positioned well, certainly not to adopt a framework of critical race theory or, or anything like that. The gospel gives better expression to our experiences, and, and we have to deal with those, even the divisions that are created by, by the culture in which we live. And that's certainly what we see happening to us right now. And I love the way that you're describing this by grace relations is having grace when we interact with one another and knowing that there are certain, you know, potential fears or backdrop of their life story of things that they've gone through and just being patient with one another and being grace filled as we interact with one another. Now, I I do want to get to the Psalms of Lament because we talked about that in the title. Can you explain why the Psalms of Lament can be a loving and wise place to start if someone comes to you who's been hurt? by some sort of ethnically charged event in a, in a local church setting. So explain just a little bit about the importance of the Psalms of Lament and, and how you use them when you talk about grace relations. Well, the Psalms of Lament help us to vocalize pain, grief, or fear in a way that turns us towards God with our pain and faith while choosing to trust that he'll ultimately deliver mm-hmm. and for the final outcome. Mm-hmm. So the beautiful thing is that we don't have to understand all the nuances of the pain of the person who's weeping, or we also don't have to have the same experiences of the person who's struggling in order to respond with this type of compassion. It merely requires that we would be willing to enter into their sorrows in a loving, redemptive, compassionate way. Mm. And so that's why I find them so powerful. In all of the scenarios we just discussed, I talked about how we would build a bridge as counselors using specific passages from both personal and corporate Psalms of Lament. And the ones that I used in particular to address those scenarios that I spoke about in a very abbreviated form today here on the podcast were in chapters 42, 54, 55, 56, 86, 123, and 142. Mm -hmm. For instance, in that second scenario that I talked to you about people bringing up this couple being unequally yoked, mm. I use Psalm 55 verses 12 through 22 different portions to really hit on this. And I want to read just a little um, portions of that to really bring it into focus here. It says, for it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with, with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. And then it talks about casting your burden on the Lord. He'll sustain you. He'll never permit the righteous to be moved. It's just so beautiful when you think of what that person might be feeling mm-hmm. um, or experiencing that the scriptures in such a profound way give voice right, to those heart cries. Mm-hmm. And so to see those ancient words that are right in line with what they're feeling today points again to the sufficiency of scripture and to a compassionate God who understands what their burdens are and carries them close. Man, I love that. I, and and the beauty of the Psalms of Lament is it points us in the right direction. Yes, we're not dismissing that we're having what I call sociological problems. <laughs> we, we, we are having those. Those are tensions between people. But the reality is, even in the New Testament, we're, we're told our battle is not against flesh and blood. We are to cast our cares upon the Lord. And the beauty of the Psalms of Lament is they help us to do that well. They, they make our aim toward God, God being the answer to our 
our questions, our most deep and valued questions, or being the answer to the deepest anguishes that we have. And uh, I think that's that's extremely appropriate. Now, I, I like the way in, in some of this you, you balance the idea that it's not only lament that we're doing, right? We're not just only weeping with those who weep, and that's the part that's quote-unquote therapeutic. I mean, that's important, right? It does help to bring healing and identification with a person and, and you know, all of that stuff, which God tells us to in compassion to respond to each other. But, but why can we not just tarry with lament? It can't be the totality of our response, right? I mean, especially when we're talking about these situations that have been so ethnically charged, we have to go beyond that. We have to move beyond just the, the weeping with them and the, the lamentation. We've got to do some other things. What are some of those other things? Right. And this is really an important point because as you're saying, you know, lament is an excellent initial step. However, in the scenarios I talked about, there are also many other responses that are necessary as well. So for instance, believers are called to confront one another in love when we sin against one another. Your counselees would need to be encouraged to practice biblical confrontation. Shepherds would also want to get involved to care for the sheep well not only for those who were hurt, but those who need to be taught scripturally why they did what they did or believe is counter to the truth. There are also a host of heart attitudes that we'd want to address as biblical counselors to help our counselees who experience ethnic incidents to take their thoughts captive, uproot any bitterness, deal with fear of man and more. Mm -hmm. So just an initial response with lament, but not totality of the response. And see, I love I love what you're doing. So what, what we're trying to do here is we're saying, listen, the, the whole issue about race and ethnicity, nobody's acting as though these things aren't real. I mean, there, there are legitimate tensions, right? And those are born, if we understand these biblically, those are born out of dispositions of, of sin. And we have to address those. We don't need to swing the pendulum the way the culture is doing and try to give some sort of secular framework. What we're trying to do is say, okay, the, the scriptures give us answer. And oh, really, you're, you're helping us to see sort of the, the multifaceted way that the Bible, just in wisdom, gives us help and aid how to lament appropriately. It's not all lament, but how to lament appropriately. But then also, how do we start moving to address some of the issues of the heart where we might find even partiality or prejudice in our own heart and that we need to deal with those. And and that's okay because that's what the Bible does. It helps to clean us up. It helps to to address the issues that, that we find deep within. And we should be okay with the Bible's correction on that, especially as believers. And and that's really the goal. And I, I love how you're you're shading this in in a, a multifaceted way because because that's what we need. We need that biblical wisdom. And I want to finish with this just sort of final, maybe bring this to a close, just a final thought. And there's a lot more to say on this for sure, but but I'm glad we're addressing it. How might both majority and minority? Now, let me pause for a second, because as I talk about this, the, the answer mostly in the culture is we just need to deal with the, the majority culture. It's all their fault, okay? And and so I, I love the way that we're going to talk about this in, in saying, no, we've got issues on both sides, right? I mean, for biblical counselors, we talk about marriage counseling, and we say, well, you know, it's typically not 100% one person's fault, right? It's, we, there, there's, a, I, I say, there's enough problems to go around and we can address the issues in both husband and wife. And yes, as a man, I would say that the majority of the problems are probably his and that's true, but, but there's enough problems to go around. We sin against one another and then we respond to that sin with more sin and it complicates things. How might we, in this topic of, of ethnicity and, and issues of race, deal with both majority and minority culture Christians as we tr all try to uh, to grow in this area? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'd encourage our listeners to think and pray deeply about what they've heard first. So on a personal level, and then I'd also encourage us to make a commitment to grow and learn about this issue. Uh, my two recommendations for reading would be the newest revised version of One Race, One Blood that I referred to earlier, and also Weep With Me by Mark Vrogup, where he delves into the Psalms of Lament in a fantastic way in regards to this particular issue. It's fantastic. And then I also encourage our listeners to consider what work needs to be done on not only the personal level, but in their church families and in their communities. How can they be a bridge? How can they be a redemptive tool in God's hands to address these issues? Yeah, I love that. Second Corinthians, that's what Paul calls us, is ministers of reconciliation. And that's our goal. And, and what that understands is that there are going to be issues that need to be reconciled. And who has God chosen to do that? He's chosen us as believers. And that that's one of our titles is to be ministers of reconciliation. So uh, Aurelia, thank you so much for, for giving us this. And, and I will mention that some of the things that, that Aurelia gave you as far as book recommendations and even her her breakout talk, we'll put that in the show notes so that you can pay attention to that. So dear sister, thank you so much for, for spending time with us and, and giving us some good wisdom from the scriptures. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. I'm so grateful for Aurelia. She gave this talk in full back at our 2021 annual conference in Charlotte, North Carolina at Hickory Grove Baptist Church. And I'm so excited about her addressing this issue. And I want to say one thing about Aurelia. She is such a helpful contributor to ACBC in a lot of different ways. She serves on our Abuse Advisory Council. We are working feverishly on trying to get out affirmations and denials and, and uh, guidelines to help our counselors think through the issue of, issues of abuse. And, and she has been a major contributor to that work. But as we talked about the issue of grace relations, what a monumental issue in our culture. And, and the church is no different. We're dealing with these types of ethnic tensions and issues of partiality consistently. And because of that, we've de- dedicated an entire section of our breakouts for our 2022 annual conference on this subject of grace relations, this issue of ethnic tensions and partiality that we see certainly in our culture at large, but even within the church. And we need to address this with biblical solutions. We need to see this from a biblical perspective to address it in the way God calls us to address it. Aurelia has helped us here, and there will be many others who help us in 2022. And that annual conference will happen in Memphis, Tennessee, October 3rd through the 5th in His Image. Go to our website, find out more about it, biblicalcounseling.com.